You know, uh, thinking about coming in this morning, I, I, I had the thought that, um, and, and actually now it would work, I had the thought of having the Rocky theme song on and running in in sweats. You know, running in in sweats. And, 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 and I had this thought because if you know the story of, of anything about it, it's about this uneducated, kind-hearted underdog takes on a giant uh, in the heavyweight championship kind of thing. A giant in, in the whole boxing world. He went against all odds and he won. And, and it's not just the, the movie, Rocky, but uh, what happens in the movie, but the movie itself in many ways is similar to that. As you know, Sylvester Stallone, unknown actor, takes about three days to write down this whole kind of plot and the play or the, the thing, although he didn't use all of it. Uh, and here's this guy, and he tries to sell his idea. They don't want to pay much, but he's got $106 and uh, no dog anymore because he had to sell his dog just to pay for expenses. But he, and and we'll, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of money, and you don't have anything to do with it. You can't act it. You can't do anything. You know, we didn't want to do that. And here he is. He goes up against the giant of Hollywood and makes this low-budget film, and boom, billions, over a billion dollars, now the whole series of, of Rockies have gone. So here you have this again, somebody going up against the, the giant, so to speak, and winning big against all odds. Now, I mentioned, I said, I thought about running in and sweats to the Rocky theme, but I decided not to. Now, that's not because some of you would just be like, oh, come on. You know, some of you would be like, oh, that's just not right. Pastors don't do that. Um, well, believe me, I know there are people who think that way. Uh, it's not because of that. Because sometimes if that's what makes the message stick, I'm okay with that. Because so many times we hear things, and some of you are listening to things every day on something, but you don't remember what you listened to two weeks ago. If there's something I can do to make it stick. And see, that is where the problem is. That's why I did not run here in sweats and play the Rocky theme because that would have been what would stick with you and that is the completely wrong message because the story of David and Goliath is not the story of Rocky. As much as the world wants to portray, it's about the underdog going against the giant about the little guy against the big guy and courageously winning i mean that's what they will try to tell you and the world tries to grab a hold of the story of david and goliath and the world is always telling us you know it's about winning against crazy odds it's about having guts and determination and perseverance pump yourself up stir up some courage believe in yourself that's the world's message that is not the message of david and goliath Yes, it's about winning against all odds, but not the rocky way, the God way. And we're going to take a closer look, in fact, a final look this morning at this story and how it applies to our life against all odds. God and me is a majority. Against all odds, God and me is a majority. First thing that we look at in our first point, just, just recognizing that when the odds are stacked up against us. In verse 32, where we start, uh, verse 32 and 33, hopefully you still have your Bibles open and you're looking at this as we deal with First uh, Samuel 17. And he goes in, David goes in to talk to Saul. And Saul says there in verse 33, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. He has been a fighting man from your youth. 
No, David's like, man, everybody's so wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. I'll do it. You know, let me in, coach. I'll do it. I'll go out and do it. And then King Saul's like, oh, man, the odds are stacked against you. You don't stand a chance. You know, and that's what it is. Sometimes in our life, there's things where the odds are stacked against us. In fact, let's just kind of look at David and Goliath's life and let's just kind of stack up the odds here as we're looking through this. And the first one is what they were talking about is Goliath is too big and David is too small, right? That's the negative. He's got the positive with Goliath. It's the, the whole size thing. You go back to verse 4 as it talks about Goliath. We talked about it before, so I just encourage you to look there as I'm talking. They, in verse 4, it talks about what Goliath had. And he has hundred he is wearing 125 pounds of armor, strong enough not just to wear that and walk around, but to be able to be a champion, an expert. So this guy is not just tall. He is huge in his size and, 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 and what he has here. So, uh, but first and foremost, he's tall. Nine feet, nine inches. There are some fears in our life that are blown out of proportion. We make a bigger deal of them than they really are. How many know that you do that? You got some of that, right? There's some things we make a bigger deal than really are. Goliath is not one of those. Goliath is the real deal. Goliath is a big, big problem. His bark is not worse than his bite. And the reality is that Goliath is probably bigger than anyone they had ever seen in their life. In fact, for as far as it deals with our life, Guinness World Book of Records, Goliath beats hands down easily, way above what our Guinness World Book of Records of the tallest person is. So here is really this giant in front of them. It's possible that today or at some point in time you are facing a problem that is bigger than you have ever seen in your life before. You've been through some rough times, but this doesn't even compare of what you're having to deal with. A giant of a problem that you feel too small to be able to deal with. Even Goliath gives that same opinion as you look at verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer came closer to David. He saw his this boy, ruddy and handsome. He despised him. Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Goliath is not just mocking David, but Goliath is stating what probably to everybody else, not on both sides of armies, is an obvious thing. To everyone watching, this is ridiculous. This this guy is not a boy necessarily, but as this boyish opinion, he's really young. Probably skinny. It's just a joke. In fact, Goliath thought that they were... Mocking him, kind of joking with him, sending out the stick of a boy to fight him. And so in that moment, as David stepped out, everyone there knew what Goliath was saying and stating. The odds were against David. There is no way he could do that. Goliath, and now, now David didn't know it. Everyone except David. Let's face it. Everybody's saying, well, you know, Goliath is just too big. David will never win. You know, in David's mind, Goliath is so big I can't miss. Right? It's not where it's at. But that, he loses in that department. You know, that's that whole kind of get that sense. And we have it here. Uh, David might, you know, I'm somewhat average in height. So David probably wouldn't be much taller than I am. 
This is not exactly, I mean, just arm reach. But then there's this next part. The odds are against him as far as the strength. I mentioned that 125. So he's wearing these 125 pounds of armor. He also has a javelin, a bronze javelin. Bronze is heavy, right? This is a solid bronze javelin that the point, the very point, is 15 pounds. This guy is strong, too strong. And David is too weak. He couldn't wear the armor and the sword effectively even. You know what David had? David had a sling. Now, there's a difference. It's a sling, not a slingshot. See the difference between the two? Sling, slingshot. David had a sling. And, and I know there are those who will talk about, not just with this, but many of the Bible stories will try to say, those are just stories. They couldn't have happened. It doesn't exist. There's no way that could happen. And all that kind of stuff, just kind of down and saying, oh, I know it's just a story. Don't pay attention. It's not true. It is true. In fact, uh, a number of people have talked about this. And I even watched a, a small video from uh, History Channel that dealt with David and Goliath and the whole sling thing. And they, through scientific evidence, had experts today who still use sling and are, there must be competitions of it, you know, where the guys are world champions or whatever. And they had them throw, uh, do that whole thing with the stone against something they could really measure and they knew what it would take to kill a person. And they said, totally, totally plausible, totally can happen. You can sling a stone at enough velocity to kill somebody if you hit them right there. But also, they showed that it totally can be that accurate. And so, should we be, in a sense, putting this sling in the positive on David's side? Because you hear that. No. Because what the experts also said was, there's no way you could do it. Nobody has. Nobody, nobody ever tried. Nobody could do it with one shot, let alone four others. Because what, he took five stones. In fact... They were able to prove this, but it was over a long period of time where the guy just kept throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. Guess what? David doesn't have time to keep throwing and throwing and throwing. Goliath is coming at him, and it's not just Goliath coming at him. Some people say, well, well but, but David could just kind of go around and just keep throwing at him, and, and he's away from the sword. What did we just talk about? What does Goliath have? A javelin. Hello? He's just... He, David is close enough to use that sling to cause him damage enough to die. Goliath, therefore, is close enough to use the javelin. So even though the sling can do it, it's not a positive. It's definitely not a positive when you get close enough for the sword and he, he closes the gap after a whole bunch of rocks. Sword's going to win every time. It's not just that. The odds are against him because it's just too hard. You know, besides the, the, the 40 days and 40 nights of threats, it says in verse 4 that this is their champion. And uh, we read earlier, later it was their hero. Big, bad, he's got a winning record. You figure what, they, what Goliath is doing when he comes out there. He's challenging them, whoever that is, right? And then, and then you surrender to us if I win. Well, guess what? This is a duel to the death, which means Goliath is undefeated. He's never lost. Over and over and over and over, he has won. Over and over and over. 
People have tried to go against the odds and they have lost. David doesn't stand a chance against the odds. Perhaps the reality in your life is that there's a Goliath that you've been facing that has been a champion over you in the past. You've lost again and again. It's like ceaseless. You've lost again and again into this thing. The odds are against you because of your past record and how you've just not been able to win and do anything about it. And you get to the point, you just think this is the way life is always going to be. It will always win. I will always lose. The odds are stacked against me. And that's what the enemy likes to do is to instill fear so that you just stop even trying to instill fear to bring you down into a hopelessness. That the odds are too far against you, you can't and you never will win. Now, David could win some points. Look at verse 34. Maybe we could put some here. Uh, let's think about this for a minute. David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, with, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. No, he won't. Not in the human sense. I didn't finish reading because there's more to this in which he will. But in the human sense, you can go against a lion and a bear. Yes, that's pretty wow. But there's a whole different thing from somebody who is expert at combat, bigger, let's face it, there's some bears smaller than that guy, right? Who has an intelligence, who has an experience. doesn't matter that he's gone against it. And David is going after this guy with a sling. This guy has experience. Guess what? David's never killed anybody with a sling. And when he just said, I killed the lion and the bear, did he kill the lion and the bear with a sling? No. It says, I grabbed a, when I grabbed a hold of its fur, I struck it. Not with a sling when you're that close. I mean, that's pretty, like, wow. He grabbed a hold of the fur and he's killing I mean, that's pretty amazing. But he never used the sling to do this. It's not been done before by him and quite possibly by anyone. It's just crazy. Going against all odds against this giant. I mean, David tried to, to even the odds. He tried Saul's army. He tried the sword. He tried this. He tried, you know, and sometimes we try things and we say, I try to, but it just doesn't seem to work. The odds just get more in the negative. David's decision, though, was to not battle the Goliath in terms, in his terms, on his turf, so to speak. It was time to fight differently with different results. And so this whole, he's never done it before with a sling. Guess what? Goliath had never faced somebody bold enough to come running out after him with a sling either. So all the experience Goliath had meant nothing in that moment. It was like a surprise attack. I'm sure he was like... I can't believe this little stick has got 
a stone. Yeah, you know, that, like that's going to do anything. And so in that moment, it gives David time to get at least one shot off before Goliath even knows what's going on. He's probably just standing there looking at him. It's probably an easy target. Like, I can't believe this is, this is craziness. This guy, totally suicide. This is ridiculous. Sometimes what we need to recognize is that whatever giant we're facing, just trying harder to defeat him or whatever it is, is not enough. And that's what we do. We just, I'm going to get some armor on. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to be stronger. I'm just going to try harder at what I've been doing. And we end up feeling defeated and hopeless because, and we say, well, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and it just doesn't work. That's because you keep trying in the same way. You keep trying to swing the sword at the giant when what needs to take place is a sling. Where we find our victory is not in trying harder, but trying differently. That's what David did. This is a whole different thing. Trying differently. When you add up the odds in all of this, the odds are obviously in Goliath's favor. It doesn't make sense. If you do the math, David's going to lose. He's going to lose badly. Uh, it It doesn't really matter. But it's not about David. Just like it's not about us. Against all odds, God and me is a majority. And so what we need to do then is just add one and run. You know, what I'm saying, David's confidence, he talked about, and where we lose it is he talked about what happened with the lion and the bear. And we think David had confidence because he killed a lion and a bear. No. His confidence is what, not on what he did it, in the past. His confidence didn't come from a shepherd's sling. Verse 37. Verse 37, we read back to that. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. It wasn't that I grabbed a hold of the fur and I killed the lion and and I killed the bear and so I think I can handle Goliath. That has nothing to do with that because I didn't kill the lion and the bear. God did. God gave me the power to do that. God enabled that to happen. He delivered me. The same Lord will deliver me from this animal over there who's been shouting at us. David was not just fighting for victory. He was fighting from a victory he knew he already had that he's had in the past and he'd have in the future because the victory didn't depend on him. It was all about God and what God was able to do. This story is not about how David believed in himself. It's, not about, it's about how David believed in God. It's not about self-confidence. It's about Savior confidence. And here's the good news for those of you here today that say, oh, I have trouble believing in myself. I just have trouble just kind of stepping out there. I have trouble really doing this. I just, I, I, I always fail with fear. I have trouble believing in myself. It doesn't matter. Because believing in yourself is not needed. Rather, what we need to do is to add this just one thing to our side of the list. Just one plus one on this side. Just one. And our plus one needs to be God. 
Too many think that the opposite of fear is courage. The opposite of fear is faith. You're looking to stir up courage, and you're looking in the wrong place. The opposite of fear is faith. Yes, it takes courage to stand up to that bully of fear. But guess what? Courage is not going to win the battle. God will win the battle. I recall the the size difference between David and Goliath there. And you do the math and you say, well, there's just no way. But when you add plus one, God, David's no longer the underdog. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. When you add plus one and you say, well, it's only added one. You got this whole list of the positives for Goliath and you got a whole list of negatives for David going against these odds. But all you need to do is just add plus one because even though there's a big difference in size between David and Goliath, guess what? There's an even bigger difference between Goliath and God. Are you with me? Hey, it's not even a comparison between the two. Now, when you think God bringing in the battle, who is going against all odds? It's not about burying our heads in the sand or pretending there isn't a problem, that something isn't happening in somehow, you know, that there's nothing to be afraid of or somehow we should minimize our, our view of what's going on. No. It's not about minimizing what's happened in your life. It's real. It's hard. It's a giant to you. It's not about minimizing your problem. It's about maximizing your God to how big he really is. Focusing not on the presence of the giant, but the presence of your God and Savior. Psalm 3.8 tells us, From the Lord comes deliverance. We are in a battle, and we need to keep the focus clearly, not on the giant, but the giant slayer, not on the mountain, but the mountain mover, not on the problem, but the problem saver, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is where the victory is won against all odds. God and me is a majority. Why was David different from all the rest of the trained, able-bodied military men? He had all of them over there, but David was different. Why was he different? Because they were all cowards? No, they were Israelites in the army. Is it because they didn't know what God could do? No, they'd known what God, they know the Bible stories. In fact, they had seen, this army had seen God move in some different ways. It wasn't that they were a bunch of cowards who lacked courage. What the army lacked that David had was a trust in God who could save the day no matter what the odds. They believed God. As Psalm 24 verse 8 says, Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Who are you believing? Who are you trusting? When it comes down to and you're saying, uh, I, I just don't, it's not about your courage. It's not about you. It's about God. Who are you really believing in what's being said and done? David's faith in God was greater than his fear in the Goliath. How about for you? 
And, and understand this. Here's another thing where we, where we mess up, where we, we don't get it. Is now we say, well, you know what? I just don't have a faith that's that strong. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but my faith isn't, isn't that strong, Pastor. And I, I just, it's not about faith in his faith. David didn't have faith that he had a lot of faith in God. We do not defeat the enemy based on the strength of our faith. I'm going to say that again. We do not defeat the enemy based on the strength of our faith. We defeat the enemy based on the strength of God. Amen? Either you've got faith or you don't. It's not about whether it's strong. It's not about whether it's weak. You either got it or you don't. It's not about whether you are strong enough. It's about whether you believe God is strong enough. It's not about us. What have you become so afraid of? Without realizing it, it has become bigger than God in your heart and in your mind. We need to recognize that me and God is a majority. David, you know, there he was listening to Goliath. And Goliath was talking in verse 44 as he talks to David and says, Come here, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And while this Goliath, and he's been talking, I'm sure David's thinking, yada, yada, yada. You know that's Hebrew, right? Uh, To know, like, you know, yada, 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 Hebrew, no, I know, I know, I know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, are you just going to talk me to death or what? Because you're not going to do anything else. You're just going on and on. It's not, and so David said, oh, now it's my turn to talk. Now, I have a thing or thing to do, and I'm not just going to wipe that look off your face. I'm wiping the face off, right? I, I'm not going to, this is no more. In fact, he gets so bold when he talks about it. It's not just what he's going to do to Goliath. It's what he's going to do to the whole rest of them, as he says here. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down and cut your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves For the battle is the Lord's. He will give all of you into our hands. All of you. It was no longer about being against all odds of what people look at it. To David, eh, they were the ones that had against all odds with his plus one. This wasn't some brash, bold kind of talk. It was just basic math. God plus me is a majority. And he knew this is what God wanted. And we just, just don't rush into something without thinking, well, this is what I want. Or this is what he knew this is what God wanted. This Philistine, this Goliath was not just mocking the armies of God. He was mocking the God of the armies. He talks here about how he's defiling God. And, he's, and Goliath is talking about his gods, like his God is greater or something like that. And David is done with it. You know, he, he, he's done. David was not intimidated. He was insulted by what Goliath was saying, not towards him, towards his God. 
And we know that we can confidently stand up to this battle, not just stand up, but what David does is run into this battle for God, with God. He's doing it with God. And he knows he's got to have it, but he knows he's going to be with God because he's doing it for God. And he runs. As we read that next part of that, as the Philistine moved closer to attack, in verse 48, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Everybody else running away, but David ran towards the battle line. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee, that no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. No tib and tap dance, just running right at him. This is no longer going to be a valley of defeat. It will be a valley of victory. And this is what's going to happen. And he runs. He runs with the one. the With the one who is with him. As Second Chronicles chapter 32 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Because the king of Assyria, the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us fight and fight our battles. This is not just a faith that believes in our head. This is a faith that believes in our hearts. It's not just a fact. It is what is faith that is going to happen, that God will go behind us. God will go beside us. God will go before us. And he will win the victory. The giant of fear. Then, as we read, that it held everyone in fear all that time. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung, struck the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with the sling and the sword. With the sword, he struck down the Philistine. And what we read, as we read on there, is what he did. Then the Philistine saw, uh, there in verse 51, when the Philistine saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran, and the men of Israel and Judah searched for it with a shout and pursued Philistines to the entrance of Gath, and on and on. Here, here's another bonus to all of this when you against all odds recognize that you and god is a majority and you take on these giants you take on this fear and you win you encourage others by your victory you put in courage in them because they see what god did in you and and, and especially the people who really know you because they know that's not you. You know, there's some of you that you just, you've been winning victories in the area that you can always win victories. But how would it change some of those relatives of yours who are just kind of like on the edge about God if you started winning victories where you haven't, where you're not strong, where you're not good at, because you started trusting in God? Because in that moment, Oh, Israel army got up. I mean, think about it. The Philistines watching and thinking, man, they sent out this kid who's not even a soldier. So the kid who's not even a soldier, no armor, no weapons, and he beats our champion, our hero? That's just a kid. The rest of them are better than him. They got to be, Right? They got to be, man, they're going to come. And so they run. And the same thing with the Israelites. Man, if he can do that, the rest of this army is nothing. Let's take it. Let's go. And they did. Let's encourage one another by our victory that we find in Christ. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. 
as we prepare for communion this morning, we recognize that this is part of that whole thing that's been said again and again, like in the battle with Jehoshaphat. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Jerusalem and Judah, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Whatever giant you're facing, whatever battle that you're in, the battle is not yours, it is God's. If you're willing to add plus one, if you add him. And God already fought some battles for you as we come before the communion here. We recognize what it symbolizes, and one of the part of what it symbolizes is Jesus has won the victory over sin. Jesus has won victory over death in these symbols. Jesus has won victory over Satan with these and what this represents here. If he's done all that, do you think he's just going to say, I'm just going to let you fail. I'm just going to let you be defeated. And there are many ways that we find victory. And understand, we've talked about it before, just victory is not just getting out of our situation. It is getting through whatever it is as well. So as we finish up, in a sense, the the prayer, uh, let this be our our, our prayer as we get ready to uh, come before the Lord in communion this morning. It's an old song. I know many of you probably do know it. Let's sing this together. And uh, in this time, the worship team is going to come. The communion stewards will come as well. But let's just recognize what God has done to us. In heavenly armor we'll enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us shall stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. The power of darkness comes in like a flood. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of His blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses in hard, do not fear. Battle belongs to Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We bring to sing glory into your name for what you have done for us. Sometimes we don't always recognize that what you did on that cross was win a battle against sin, against death, against Satan. 
not just sin in the past and the penalty, but you did battle against the power of sin over our lives. And so this morning as we come before you and celebrate communion, we recognize that this bread represents your body that was broken. But it is a symbol of victory, not a symbol of defeat. Help us this day. Decide we're going to, against all odds, go with you into battle because you and me, God, are a majority against whatever comes against me. Bless this bread. In Jesus' name, amen. And eat. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the cup. We thank you that there is power in the blood of Jesus. Lord, you have not brought us this far to leave us. You who have begun a good work in us, what you did on that cross will continue that. And we recognize that this morning we want to surrender to that work. And to walk, even run, from victory that we already have. Bless this. Draw us into a deeper and closer relationship with you. It makes it so much easier to run into battle with you. In your name, Jesus.